It is better to think of the church in the alehouse than to think of the alehouse in the church. You're listening to the Go to Hell podcast, Strong Opinions Weekly Held. I'm your host, Tim Curley. I'm joined by my co-host, Colton Pierce. Colton, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. I've had a little bit of a rough weekend. This is the first time that I've had to deal with a loss, of a season-ending loss before. It's it's kind of rough, I gotta say. We get up to, we were, we were in playoffs, and... Uh, and we lost on Friday night, and and it was rough. I had boys come out that were seniors. They were crying, um, and it's just it's a pool of emotions for them. Uh, we were two games away from the championship. We got knocked out in the Elite Eight. Um, it was just it was a bummer. Um, not the way we wanted to go out, but it's just the way it it turns out. You know, there's there's only one winner, and we didn't get to be it this year. But it was just it's hard when you work with the team for you know, the last seven months, you see these boys every single day for seven months and then, and then it's over. It's, um, and I know those, that experience. I remember when I was in high school and, and having those experiences as a water polo player and losing those championship games. And it was just, it was rough, um, for me. So, uh, just kind of seeing that reflected on these kids. And it was the first time since I had left water polo in high school that I had to experience it again. And it was just, it was a little tough. So I had a rough weekend, but that's okay. We're bouncing back. Um, we're back in the full swing of school. So, uh, veterans day is this weekend. So I'm doing pretty good. How much yourself, Tim? I'm doing pretty well. I, I think I mentioned it on here before I coached high school football for 10 years and I can completely empathize with you on the the playoff loss. We made playoffs. I was fortunate enough to work with two really good coaches, head coach and a, the guy who was the offensive coordinator. They were my coaches when I played, and they did paid me the honor of letting them coach the defense for eight years. And so um, the head coach was six or seven years older than me, and the other the offensive coordinator, I think about 10 or 12. They ran. It was all them. I I, – I, Tread, I tread water as a defensive coordinator um, compared to what they did. But um, we made playoffs every year. We won a CIF championship one year, set a bunch of offensive season records for passing and stuff. And that was the third year I was there, second or third year. I think it was the third year. And we were like the number one or number two seed every year pretty much after that and never repeated. And it was some of those like what you're talking about some of those losses are just brutal you got teenage kids that are you know that they're teenage boys they always act one act tough so you never see much emotion out of them and uh and if you do it's you know it's tough guy stuff and to be staying around a group of like high school boys just bawling it's just one of the most uncomfortable it's one of those more uncomfortable things i've ever been around you know you really feel for them um, and one of our losses was, it was seven or eight overtimes. Wow. And that one was just, that was horrible. And I felt really bad because neither defense stopped the other side. And this was, 
when when we had playoffs then it was i think we started at the five we you didn't start at the 25 so it was pretty hard if if you had two good offenses it was pretty hard to stop right. the other side and it was just score 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 yeah it's 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 not a fun experience and and like you said the season's over and all that work is now finished and you got a group of kids that are going to repeat and you got new kid uh, kids moving on and so all right so uh what are we drinking tonight We got a couple of things going tonight. First of which, we had to have half a beer before we got started. Um, <laughs> we've uh, been having some technical difficulties. We're still trying to navigate this whole situation. I mean, I even like was looking at at how many episodes that I could have posted onto our Dropbox last night, as far as like or like my recordings that I've made, and it's not a lot. Like it's like. I was thinking that we had a lot more in the bag than what we do, and I was like looking, and I was like, "Oh, it's not really as much as I thought it was." So, because I mean, if you think about it, that we've only been doing this like once a week since June, and so, and there's been a couple of weeks that we've had to miss and that kind of stuff. So it's like there's a couple of things that have been missing along the way, but yeah, so we're we're still working on things as we go along. We're trying to do this on the cheap, folks. Yeah, we're trying. We've spent a couple. We've spent a couple hundred dollars. Not like we haven't spent any money, but to get really serious about it, it gets pricey really quick. And uh, you know, Colton and I think we're saying some. We're hoping people are going to listen to this, but we might find out after twenty episodes, no one gives a damn about what we have to say, and Colton and I have to go to hell. So right. Um, so we so we drank like half of a beer. So we had a each had a half of a taco truck uh, by. By Dust Bowl. By Dust Bowl. And we're going to be honest about this one. We should. Dust Bowl, we really love you. You're in our, I don't know, it's hard to do like a top three because yeah, we know. have so many, but you're in the pantheon of our Yeah, exactly. Breweries. Absolutely. Shout this out. one sucks balls, mm. and you should go to hell for making this one. It's, it's, it is their attempt at a Mexican lager, and they've added lime, which is now the thing. Uh, Firestone does it with an 805. The Cerveza. Um, I think even uh, Stone has one that's Stone down. Stone has that's one that's side. actually good. It's a hint of lime. This one is a lime with a chaser of beer and salt. It is way too much. It's when it says lime lager, it's actually being honest. Yes, it is it a is. lime lager. This this was this would have been great if you were a British sailor in the 1700s and you needed a beer. <laughs> Wanted to hit the beer and get your citrus out of the way for scurvy. It's yeah, just, it's too much. The uh, I've had the regular taco truck. It's it's great if you like Mexican lagers. I'm not a regular drinker of them. Summertime comes around. Once it starts getting warm, uh, obviously around the pool, they're good to have. Yeah, like I like lime in a Mexican lager. It's great. Yes. But just this is like – it's almost like sweet lime that's kind of with it. It's almost like a – kind of like a lime soda was just kind of what my description it's was like of it. It's like a lime essence of lime or something. Yeah, not, I don't know. I don't know. Listen, it's again, not bitter enough. Again, we love you, Dust Bowl, but I felt like it was a flop on my part. But if you're interested in it, you can just go to hell. So, um, <laughs> so anyways, on to tastier beers. Um, we're drinking delicious IPA from Stone. Brought up Stone a couple of times tonight. I just picked it up on the way over here. It was either this or 
uh, actually a lot of other things, but this is just what kind of spoke to me tonight. So delicious IPA. It's delicious. I like it a lot. I'm just, I think I'm just in a stone happy place after our uh, beer tasting that we had like a couple weeks ago. Oh yeah. Like, I just stone. Man. So we need to start planning one for the holiday season. Oh yeah, we do. But uh, we need to be able to do it while one of our buddies can actually drink. The guy, the guy that was on here, Andy. Yeah. He's on a, he's on a bit of a dry spell for the moment. So, and then after this, uh, we're going to be trying uh belching beavers, hazers, going to haze, right? That's that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's on a rotating hops right now. Um, I don't know if it ever was or always was, but for the time being, this is a certain hop rotation. I think we might it. have had a, a previous iteration of the hazers before. Yes. I've had hazers going to haze before, but uh, I don't one, think I've had this one. I have not had this one. I'm actually This I got in a six pack. I've already consumed four of them. I left two for tonight's podcast. I think Colton's going to really enjoy it. So I believe it. All right. So let's go into hot topics. Okay, if you just joined us, we're talking about who is the best lord. Lord of the rings, of the dance, or of the flies. That's tonight's hot topic. Hot topic. Hit two hot topics. Wow. One is I'm gonna I'm gonna use a NASCAR driver. It's going to sound like... I'm, I want to make it clear I'm not picking on this kid. I'm going to use it. It's a good teaching moment for Christians needing to be very careful about how they apply Bible verses, and particularly when they're talking to a non-Christian audience. Uh, background, there's this driver, Ty Gibbs. He's 19 years old. If you're familiar with... If you're a big football fan, and I guess of a certain age, maybe it doesn't matter... His grandfather is Joe Gibbs, who's the legendary Super Bowl coach, Hall of Famer from Washington Redskins. Joe has has had for, I think, 20 years now since he left football. Uh, well, then he came back, but he still maintained the team. He's He's got a NASCAR team. Uh, he's got four cars in the top series, cup series. He's got, uh, he's got trucks, and he's got uh, Xfinity cars, which is the like the minor league cars. Anyway... His grandson's driving. His grandson is 19 years old, and his grandson's made, shall we say, a few bad choices this season. He's he got into a fight with a guy after the rate after a race when uh, and the kid's name is Ty Ty Gibbs. Ty got into another driver. Driver didn't like it. They started swinging at each other after the race, uh, and then two weeks ago. The race before the championship race, there's a late restart. Ty basically rear ends, or as they call it in NASCAR, punts his teammate, who was also trying to get into the four final four for the playoff race. He punts this guy, goes on to win the race. Fans are already kind of 50-50 on this guy. Ty does a big old burnout, like it's the biggest victory ever in motorsports, gets out of the car. And then with a few minutes says, because he's getting booed by the crowd pretty heartily. And this is a track called Martinsville. And Martinsville fans are very, very educated about the sport. So they're very good at uh, airing their displeasure when they don't like you. Or they don't like something you've done in the past. So they didn't like that he'd punted this, his teammate. So he gets out of the car, gets heavily booed, and Ty says... Uh, not immediately after the race, but some, a little bit after the race. 
Does it bother you inside? You know, it's really getting to know you is what people are going to like to do. And they sometimes like to boo people. They like to boo Kyle Busch. You got up on top of the car. You heard the boos. And you were like, bring it on. Not everybody can wear the black cowboy hat, right? I mean, how do you feel about all this? And, uh, you know, what's inside of you on it, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I always go back to the the same verse that, you know, Jesus was hated first and among all the people. So, you know, that's a part of it. I feel like, you know, just, you know, silencing out the crowd. And I feel like that's what you have to do as a professional athlete. And I feel like some of the best people, you know, are going to get booed. And that's part of life. And, I mean, you can't let other people's uh, opinions and, and, and thoughts drive your actions and, and, you know, make you feel bad or anything. It's just part of life. Ty, if you had said 90% of what you'd said <laughs> and left Jesus out of it, that would have been a perfectly good quote. But instead... You had to insert Jesus in there, which just blew up everything you had. You said, again, I'm not going to pick on this kid because he's 19. His brain, if if anybody listening to this knows anything about the adolescent brain, his brain is still literally <laughs> chemically, physiologically forming. He's at an age where, still at 19, uh, you do a lot of stupid things. You say a lot of stupid things. I certainly hope no one judges me on what I did when I, when I was 19. So, well, it depends. Did you post anything on Twitter when you were 19? I because had no Twitter. <laughs> if I had Twitter, I would have been in trouble. Yeah. So, why am I bringing this up? Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr., a legendary driver on his podcast, they were talking about it. And I think he made a very good, astute observation. Dale, by his own admission, is not a Christian, but he's he knows Ty and the Gibbs family. He had Ty on for like a two-hour interview a couple months ago, so I think he knows the kid fairly well. And he said this, basically, I'm paraphrasing. He didn't feel like that Ty was regurgitating something he'd heard either from a family member or someone at church and misapplied that application in the moment and it made him look really silly and i agree with that so why am i bringing this up i i hear this all too often colton i think you're gonna agree with me this is the number one thing (laughs) there are just too many times where people we take this is one of the reasons why i'm to the point where i don't like i think we should all Put away our Bibles that are broken down by verses and chapters and just start reading a holistic Bible so we don't get into this moment where it's too easy to pull out quotes and misapply them, whether you're 19 or 49 or 69, to situations that are not appropriate. So the lesson is, in this hot topic, please be mindful about applying scripture to your life and for the love of god if you're going to say something like that say it in in don't say it in mixed company say it in like-minded company so that maybe we all kind of understand what you're trying to get at better than a mixed company would because it i'm sorry that just makes us look stupid when we have someone who's to ty's credit he's very open about his faith i love that about him but when you stand up and you did something stupid five minutes ago, and in 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 terms of sports ethics, was something wrong. And you stand up and go, "Yeah, Jesus was booed too." <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I think I don't know. It, it's it's a hard. I don't know. So I mean, so first off, you have the situation with Ty. 
uh, we saw Ty win his first race mm-hmm. uh, this year. He won it in March at Las Vegas. And that was really cool. And when he was done, you know, like, he has his reputation. He hasn't built – he hadn't quite built up the reputation that he has right now. At that point, he wasn't driving for NASCAR yet. He was still in the Xfinity Series. And that's what I meant by he won his first race. He won other races, but we had seen him win his first Xfinity race at – and, again, that's the cars. That the, that's, like, the minor league cars. And right after, he immediately went to, you know, like, uh, he did bring up Jesus. He was he was very adamant about his faith, you know, that kind of stuff. And growing up, we've, in my lifetime, you, you have seen lots of different people that have associated themselves with the faith. And then what's also hard is, are we able to associate the people with the faith who still have honest, good intentions about their faith, but then we cannot disassociate them from their actions that are still of man and of humankind, right? Like, that's the hard part. Because, right, because Ty gets up there and he doesn't exactly compare himself to Jesus, but, like, the way you made it seem as in response to that question is, like, dude, no. Like, I mean, like... <laughs> don't lead with that. Well, is it, I mean, don't even bring it up. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, as an English teacher, like, it's just like, dude... Like, we got to work on our responses here. Like, we got to know what the words are that you're putting into the sentence and in the order that you're putting them and what they mean when you do that. Like, you know, like, that's just the hard part that comes from it. But that's that happens a lot in athletics, especially people that are trying to associate themselves with the faith. And I feel bad for them because they do have to walk this fine line. I mean, like, I listen – if I'm sitting here and I say that I feel bad for Tim Tebow, I don't feel bad for like I feel bad for him, but I don't feel bad for him. Like you know what I'm saying? Like he's lived a great life. He's got this whole thing. But as an athlete, the amount of pressure that you put on yourselves when you start to associate yourself with the faith is astronomical. Okay, it's something that you have now decided to put yourself on a higher level above all other athletes in your area. Right, You are somebody that now has power and position and now you have elevated yourself even more saying that you are, that you are of the faith. So now people watch everything that you do to make sure that you are doing what people would assume is a part of the faith. And especially right. where – I mean I don't want to stereotype NASCAR fans but a, most, a majority of the NASCAR fans, they pray before every race. Yeah. Every race there is a prayer. Okay, So these are people that are – it's still very Bible Belt. Yeah. So you still have a huge majority of the fan population associating themselves with the faith, and they know the practices that you were supposed to be a part of. And so when you go and you run your teammate off the side of the road to win a race, and then you mention Jesus as in response to that, <laughs> like, you just look dumb. Like, I mean, I'm sorry, man. Like, I think that, yeah, like Tim said, I think that this is something that happens on a regular basis is that we have good intentions. We had our pastor say something and it sounded great when our pastor said it, but now it's like, and then we try becomes, to say it to. Then it, then it just gets inserted in our brain like paint by numbers. Yeah, right? And we're like, oh my goodness. So booed. Oh, yeah. Jesus, booed. Yeah. Jesus got booed too. And you're like, what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> And so we get up there and we say really stupid stuff that right. doesn't make any sense. And so we just end up looking stupid. And that's what Ty ended up looking. Again, to Ty, his dad passed away this Yeah, I want to mention that. So, yeah, I was like... Because I, I almost felt like not having this topic. So the incident with Ty happened eight days ago, nine days ago, ten days ago, something like that. This last weekend was the championship weekend. 
Uh, he went out on Saturday, won the Xfinity race pretty handily, and then and his father Coy is the the team. I think he runs the team. He runs some aspect of Joe Gibbs Racing. So Ty wins a championship. His dad's there. Obviously, his grandfather's there as the team owner. And in uh, in the middle of the night in Phoenix, where the race was, Ty's dad, Coy, died at 49 in his sleep. And uh, also, Ty's supposed to be racing the next day for the NASCAR Yes, Cup and Ty's supposed to be racing the next day, which he didn't. So Naturally. So... <laughs> We've used Ty as a bit of a example because it came up, seemed like a good hot topic, but I do want to make it clear. My God, he's the kid's 19. Not only not only has he lost his dad, but he lost his uncle, which means Joe. So Joe has lost both of his sons. They both died at 49. JD and Coy died at 49. I have, I lost my dad young, but I was... I lost my dad young in that he was still he was in his late sixties, and I was in my forties, late what was it uh, late thirties, which is by most standards these days young, right? And it was it was rough. It was really rough. He died suddenly. He he and my mom lived across country in Virginia Beach. Like I got a call, I was at a, I was at a board meeting at the church. It was getting ready to start. I got a call from my mom. Your dad's been rushed into the hospital. He's having emergency surgery. Here, take the phone. My dad took the phone, told me he loved me, and then got off the phone. My mom said, I think you need to come out. I left the meeting. My wife booked airline tickets. I think we got the last plane out of Fresno. Arrived first thing in the morning in Virginia Beach, and two gentlemen were there to greet me, and told me my dad had passed in the middle of the night. So while I'm younger than Ty, totally empathize. He didn't race on Sunday, which is completely understandable. I watched, obviously we're talking about it. I watched the broadcast. I, I got the sense half of the people in NASCAR could have done without racing. And just if, you know, if it didn't cost a lot of money and effort to redo a race to the next week and tell the you know fans, hey, come back next week. I think half the field could have done without racing yesterday because it's a it's a tight knit group. Colton's been to enough races. Everybody knows everybody. Uh, even guys you don't like, at the end of the day, it's you don't like them professionally. There's not NASCAR's had over the years some really nasty uh, rivalries, and even today we've had moments where Brad Keselowski's yelled to the crowd, "What do you say, Kyle Busch is a dick?" But. <laughs> I don't think these guys truly hate each other. And even then, whatever driver doesn't like the other driver, Joe Gibbs, I will say that we, you know, we picked on Ty. I will say about Joe Gibbs, he is known to, he lives out his faith. And he is someone who has represented Christianity very well. And when that man goes to see his creator, he will be, he will get a, a good handshake <laughs> and a, a, a hearty thank you because by everyone in NASCAR and everybody in football reveres this guy and it's because he wears his faith on a sleeve. He's nice. He's cordial, open. Everybody's family. He's always 
wanting to talk about Jesus, but apparently he does it in a way where nobody's offended by it. I mean, he's a model. So prayers to the Gibbs family. I mean, I got choked up Sunday when they announced the news. And, you know, part of it's because anytime I hear somebody lose their dad, I get choked up. But I'm just involved in NASCAR through my work enough that it it's a big deal. So kind of a different off top hot topic. <laughs> yeah, I just, I think that, I think that you said it best. It's just, you know, we're talking about something that happened. I don't think that we like to pull punches in here. If there's if there's a topic that we feel like we need to discuss and there's an example here again. But also th- this is where it leans into the fact that it's like nothing that we ever say when we talked about it at the beginning. It, it, if we ever called you out specifically and you felt like something was burning in your heart or, you know, something that we were talking about and you feel guilty about or or you feel like somebody should feel guilty about or whatever, we're not talking about this. We're just talking about specific in- instances. This is somebody whose life is on display and we got to see it and we got to react to it and that's what we're talking about with Ty. But at the same time, we also know that, hey, Ty's a believer. We know that he has a strong faith. We recognize those things. We also recognize that he's a 19-year-old boy and he makes mistakes. And we also realize that he's got a family, he's got loved ones and that kind of stuff. And so we don't sit here and wish ill will. On no. People. No, we sit there and we say, and hey, I'm really- you made a mistake and that's not that big of a deal. What is, the, what is it that we as believers can learn from Ty's mistake? Right. It's more of we're, we're using Ty as a foil to say, to you and I and everybody listening to this, just be mindful of how you're applying scripture and saying, you know, I I think we get a little too free flowing with applications of scripture that at the end of the day are, are, they're either wrong or childish. And it's, you know, and again, particularly when you're talking, if you're talking to a mixed crowd or a non-believing crowd, you don't lean into and yeah, it's Martinsville, Virginia. It's the Deep South. It's NASCAR. People are churchy people. But you don't lean in with, even if it's a good application of, well, Jesus got booed too. Just no, that's... Lean in with the Jesus stuff when you're loving on people. Don't lean into Jesus stuff when you're trying to defend yourself. It never looks good, even if it's biblically accurate. Keep that to yourself. Yeah. That's between you and God. So I have a second hot topic, and it's kind of related because we keep bringing up the fact that Ty's 19, and I do want to make that clear, because I unfortunately, the way society is now, Ty's going to be 29 years old 10 years from now, and there's somebody on in the media who's going to bring up the fact that he, you know, compared himself to, himself to Jesus. And it's like, when do I get to grow out of the mistakes that I made as a late teenager, for God's sakes? Yeah, I'm driving a professional car, but I'm still just a kid doing doing stupid things and, you know, trying to figure out life. We're, I don't think we're going to have answers on this one, but it's and it's kind of weird. I'm blindsiding Colton with it because I don't think he follows hockey. All right, I'm going to read I'm reading from ESPN. Boston Bruins president Cam Neely said the signing of prospect Mitchell Miller was the biggest regret as an NHL executive and expressed concern over failures in the team's vetting process. Uh, Bruins signed Miller, a 20-year-old defenseman, on Friday to an entry-level contract with the intention of sending him to the AHL. The team, however, announced Sunday night that it was parting ways with Miller after intense backlash from fans, the team's own players, and commissioner Gary Bettman. So what did the kid do? Miller was a fourth-round pick by the Arizona Coyotes in 2020, but his draft rights were relinquished. When a story was published about how he and another middle school classmate 
were convicted in juvenile court in 2016 for assaulting and bullying Isaiah Meyer Crothers, a black classmate with the developmental disabilities. In the report, Meyer Crothers' mother alleged Miller began abusing her son in second grade and repeatedly used racial slurs. All right, I'm going to stop there. I think that's about all the information we need. Colton, you and I have talked about this topic in general on multiple occasions. They always seem to revolve around athletes. I want to discuss it for a few minutes. I'm making it clear, and I think you're going to agree, we're not definitively saying one way or one thing or another as to what should be done. But as, as a believer who truly believes in mercy and grace, Let's use this story. I'm not, I'm not sure what... Would you like particular... me to unpack it first and then you go? Or well, let me just stipulate a few things. The story is very clear what happened. This story, nor has any other story that I've read, has anybody bothered to get a quote from the kid, ask anything from him? Like, is he remorseful? You know, I'm not saying what is being done here is incorrect. And the mother who's quoted, I certainly understand why she's like... <laughs> This kid's dead to me, but there's a reason why we don't let family members of victims <laughs> choose punishment because they're understandably going to be pr- fairly harsh. Look, the if she's correct and he's been he was bullying her son going back to second grade, basically taking aside the specifics, it sounds like this Miller kid was maybe still is a bully. So we're dealing with a bully here. I'm concerned in the era of the internet. In particular, because this didn't happen when it was just television, even cable television. It was rare that this happened. This became a thing when social media became a a thing. That we are holding people accountable. People are being put into permanent jail for things they did, particularly things they did in their youth. And this is why I'm tying it to Ty Gibbs, although what Ty did was just kind of inane this is this is truly bad but still um all right colton you unpack because now i'm just rambling okay so i think first off like in this particular situation it's difficult with family again yeah i think when you're talking about the victims and if they should choose punishment and that kind of stuff you're dealing with two different types. There's one that believes in justice and one that believes in mercy. And so th- there's a there's a part that believes that, I mean, it, it's what we always want, right? Like the the kid that's the, the punk or the jerk in school, we don't want them to turn out to be successful. We don't want them to, we don't want the best for them. They shouldn't get away. The person that's speeding 120 miles per hour down the highway, cutting through traffic, not following any of the rules. Those are the people that should be getting the tickets, not me because I, you know, have a taillight out or something like that, you know. That's what we want. That's how it should be. And so, therefore, our sense of justice comes into play in these situations where it's like, you know, your your decisions and the make, and the mistakes that you made have consequences. And a lot of the times we sit there and we say, what consequences, Right? Uh, this kid bullied another kid. What are the consequences of that? Were the consequences enough? Are they enough now? And so that's the thing. Is And so for some people, this seems completely okay. There's consequences to this kid's actions, and these are them. 
Is it just we're going to say that it's it's too much now because he said a bunch of racial slurs and he bullied this kid since the second grade and he made this kid hate his life and all that kind of stuff? And uh, But if it gets in the way of him being a professional athlete, then that's taking it too far. That's one response. And I know that we talked about how we mainly get this way with athletes. I think that it should be this way across the board with all people. Is that we need to give people the ability, and we've talked about this topic a couple times, we need to give people the ability to to apologize and to be able to recover and to bounce back. That's the only way we're going to grow as people is that we can recognize the fact that people can grow. It's not that people don't ever change, it's that people can grow. We can be better. How can we believe that we're going to get better if we don't believe that people in their lifetime can be better than who they were? And we don't give people the opportunity to do that. The second we find out that, you know, they made a mistake at some point in their life when they're growing and they're developing and they say stupid things when they're young. And then they go through this and then all out of nowhere we have to we have to sit there and we have to cancel them. Is that okay? Is that do we need some, like a huge fan base to rise up and, and come to their defense, James Gunn, and to which that then saves you know, your career? Or should we allow people to make mistakes and we sit there and say, hey, I saw that this happened. What do you have to say for yourself? And can we let them grow and develop? There were different times for different things, right? What was totally acceptable to say 10 years ago is completely unacceptable to say now. No teacher when I was in high school stopped a student from saying it's gay. If we said that's gay in class. No teacher 10 years ago was stopping that from happening. Now I do it on a regular basis in my classroom. I tell students, hey, let's not make homophobic comments in my classroom. And to use this as an example, 60 years ago it was completely acceptable to use the N-word. It is not acceptable to use it now. Some people. Yeah. <laughs> but 60 years ago, if you were a white male, it was completely acceptable for you to say that word. It is not acceptable now. And again, what I'm talking about is when I say it's acceptable, like I'm not giving them like a free pass to be able to just be like, it's the term was never acceptable is what I'm meaning. Just like, when I say that saying that's gay 10 years ago was acceptable, I'm talking about how nobody told you to not do it. Right. That's what I mean by acceptable. And so we've allowed humanity to grow and develop since then. But we can't just like sit there and and say that those people back then 10 years ago, 60 years ago, they deserve some fault. And that needs to be self-reflective and they need to recognize that. And that's a path that they need to take. But I just, I don't know. On these situations, I mean, like, again, I don't, we can make it more local, right? Like, there's still things that I wish that people were allowed to bounce back from. The family that comes to our churches that are, that have had something happen, right? You, we've talked about it before where you had the pastor that was interviewing for a position and then yeah. you guys were talking about getting, and he had slept with another person or something. He slept with another woman in the church. and Another woman in the church. But his w- wife stick, stuck by him. He did, they did family counseling, marriage counseling. And nobody wanted him. He wasn't able to bounce back from that, at least not in our church. We weren't able to, re- we weren't able to be that recovery for him. So I'm reading further down in the story. 
And I'm going to stipulate this. The story is vague as to what he did. I mean, it implies that what he did was pretty bad, but there's no details. So we're just having to assume that whatever he and this other kid did. You know what assuming does. <laughs> um, I'm trying to be deferential to the the other the victim's parents. For sure. And I'm, I don't even know if I'm making... Well, I'm going to read something here, and I am going to make a statement. But I, I think... I don't, I don't think I'm... Again, like the Thai story, I, I don't think I'm specifically... We're using this as a... Okay, I'm going to... Let me take a step back. One of the things I enjoy about the group of friends that I am a part of, I will say I am a part of, because, but Colton's a part of them, part of this group. It's about... When it's at its biggest, it's probably eight guys. Fluctuates between four to eight guys. These are the kind of discussions we actually have when we're drinking beer and... Or something else. Whiskey. We talk about things out loud. And I think a lot of times it helps just to talk things through. We're not sitting definitively making judgments of this is the way it's got to be. It's just like, and this, this, this particular, I think both hot topics, but this one in particular is one where, I, again, I don't have a definitive, I don't know what's correct, but I think what Colton got at is I think we're both uncomfortable and I'm going to read this, and this I don't. I kind of get angry about this. So again, Cam Neely, f- former great Boston Bruin, now the GM's. This he says this. Oh, the the article says, why did the Bruins believe Miller deserved a chance in the NHL after the Coyotes passed? Quote, from everything I've heard, he was working on himself, working in programs to better himself. I was under the impression. It was a 14-year-old kid who made a really, really bad decision and did something, did some horrible things, and he's 20, year old, 20 years old now. I was under the impression that he, in the last six years, had done a lot of work on himself. Okay, I'm going to call out Cam Neely on this. Cam's being very wishy-washy, and I'm sorry. If you're going to hire, if you're going to... In this quote, he's letting it be known that he knew about it before... He signed the kid that this had happened. And apparently they've done their due diligence. I don't for the life of me understand why if you're going to go do the due diligence, you know this kid has done this, but you are satisfied that he is working through not being the same kid he was at 14. Why you don't stand? I'm, I'm sorry. The, the, there's two victims here. It's the kid who got bullied and it's the bully. If you're going to sign the kid and you thought you'd done your background, I'm sorry. When the family comes and says, we don't like this and everybody else, you you need to have the balls, particularly since you were a pretty damn good hockey player in your prime, Cam, and stand up and say, we vetted the kid. We, are, we as an organization are working with him side by side to make sure that he that he is improving himself. And that's the end of it. And if you don't like it, too bad. <laughs> it's no. just... But, I mean, everything's a PR stunt nowadays. Everything's a PR stunt. And apparently, to to get this to the religious thing, and I, I'm not, impl- I don't need to, imp- I'm not, I don't want to imply that I have no idea whether or not the, the victim's parents are Christian or not. But we've gotten ourselves, we're, we've, we've become less Christian, but we're even more puritanical or just as much puritanical as we were before we were all, you know, majority Christian. What do we... <laughs> We've replaced it with one Puritanism with another. Well, and I think, I mean, well, and we've talked about this before. 
when it comes to the response that and – and I'm just saying this to just clarify because we said a couple of things about the victim's parents and the victim. But parents so. I don't blame. That they're that – it's – it. We're this wasn't about- done because the parents got upset. It was because some mob formed online or something and said – and apparently within the team and said, we don't want this kid. Right, and again, and this may be the justice that you feel that your child deserves for the fact that, like, hey, you get to sit there and you get to point to this kid and this situation and you get to say, hey, look, you see what he did to you in the second grade and what he's did to you all the way through growing up and how it has now come back to where he's not able to to become or able to reach the fullness of his capabilities, blah, blah, blah. And that's not blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I legitimately – understand and i'm not saying that that is something that that person needs to be on the road to forgiveness for okay i'm gonna stop i'm gonna interject you have you have taken us into a phenomenal this was a hot topic but i think this is a phenomenal discussion now again stipulating i understand the family's upset if i had my if i had my kid murdered by someone or even beat up as bad as this i'm not gonna judge them but let's just take the mob who is speaking on behalf of them. What are we accomplishing here? All we are doing is descending into eye for an eye. Right. That is. What so all is. you're going to do is create. You've got this kid. But that's how the whole you got this dumbass fourteen-year-old kid who acts like a dumbass fourteen-year-old kid. I'm sorry, fourteen-year-olds are alien species. They do dumb stuff all the time. Not only did he do dumb stuff, he was a bully, and I know bullying is a big deal right now, but you know, I dealt with bullies when I was in school. You're going to deal with bullies. You you want to you want to know how you perpetuate a 14-year-old becoming a 44-year-old bully? Do eye for an eye. You're going to turn this 14-year-old kid into a 34, 44, 54, 64-year-old bitter bully because he did something stupid. At 14, and at some point, he's just going to decide not to live up to it because why should I? The world is screwed up, and I didn't get any fair shake, so why did the kid that I get beat up get a fair shake? This is the kind of stupidity and awfulness and evil that eye for an eye takes you down. The road That's the road it takes you down. That's what they want for you right like that's that's the way that our world is set up at this time and and this is the culture that and here's the problem is that is that christians find righteousness in it right like we oh yeah oh yeah we're yeah absolutely this has been such just a huge thing that just christians are so emphatic about where it's just like you know this this eye for an eye we need justice right the goat's the goats and the sheep, you know, like, uh, there is this platonic sense to our faith where, you know, God's going to judge them and they need justice here on earth. And we're going to revel in it. Oh, absolutely. Why not? And you can find scripture that'll support you. No problem. Find old Testament stuff. You could technically find new Testament stuff if you look hard enough and if you read far enough into it. But we bastardized it. Like, that's the hard part. That's the part that's difficult. Is we as Americans have bastardized it. Well, the church has been doing it for a millennia and a half. Well, sure, sure. I, I mean... We, just... we quickly went from being Jesus followers right back to being Pharisees. And that's that's the self-check if you're listening to this. 
is am I being a Pharisee? Right. We just and we all do it in small ways, but a lot of us do it in big ways where we're just no really no different. We're just following rules because on the outside we want to look like we've got everything together and we're we're righteous on the outside and we follow all the you know we do the Ten Commandments and. We love our neighbors supposedly, and just all the little things. I I do. I'm there every service when they do communion, and blah 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 blah. But on the inside, we're just a bunch of Pharisees. Oh, that rule didn't apply to me. Oh, I didn't do that. That's not gossip. That's not gossip. No. Well, and, and I mean, I think that for most Christians, we need to sit there. We need to check ourselves. I think that we sit there and we think that some of us are loved more than others by jesus christ right we're not on an equal playing field i sit there and i look at if as a christian i can sit there and say that i have done nothing wrong there is no i have not tried to actively hurt people and injure them or whatever but ultimately at the end of the day i am not loved any more than any other person on this planet by god and by jesus right that not correct even the most evil and most despicable of people jesus still died on the cross for their sins as much as he died on the cross for mine jesus christ died on the cross for some of the most despicable human beings that have ever walked the earth like that's that's the part that like i don't think people like recognize or that people have been paying attention to is that it's like we are nothing and i mean like i doubled down on this like a couple weeks ago and we are asked to love people in the same way. We're asked to love people in that same aspect and sit there and say, you are unconditionally loved by Jesus Christ, and so therefore I am supposed to unconditionally love you. And I'm supposed to show you forgiveness 77 times 77 or whatever. 77 times that. And that's what we're supposed to do. Again, for the victims of this family, I'm bro, like I... That's that's gonna take time, like yeah. Put them aside. I'm not. I, I know, but I I mean, like, I still need to clarify. Like, I don't want them to sit there and for if like some miracle of a chance they listen to this podcast. Well, just even someone who's like, listening just... to this who's had their kid bullied or something, we think we're just like, yeah, bullying, whatever, get over it. That's not what we're saying. Not at all. And I hope that you know the victim and even victims out there. Tim talked about his experience with bullying. I was bullied a shit ton growing up. It was hor- horrific. And I didn't I wasn't one of those people that was like the like the bullied person becomes the bully. Like that that never was me. I never got to become that person. I moved around too much. <laughs> I I became the new target every single time I That was there. the reason why I got bullied. I was the new kid every I I I went to a new school for I think five years in a row, and I was for some reason the kid who always got picked on by the bully. I don't think. And it's... nine times, pretty much, I got really good at figuring out how to deal with bullies. So, I I don't know if I mentioned it on this podcast, but one of my biggest bullying experiences that I ever had was. It's actually kind of funny now. You just like, what is the coincidence of this? It's just it's really freaking funny. Uh, in the seventh grade, I had just moved to the town that we live in now. And and I had just moved to this junior high. I had been going there for like a couple of months. I had been trying my best to try and fit in. It wasn't really working very well. 
and then it just hit like a real big peak. I got lice one weekend. <laughs> okay, so I got lice. Um, I used to have really long hair. Hair down to my shoulders is where it would be, especially in junior high. I get lice. Easiest thing for you to get rid of lice, shave it all off. So my parents shaved me down to a buzz cut, just like how my father has. We were able to get all the lice off my head, and then, you know, you have to do, like, that whole thing. Totally fine. Walk into class that week, like that week, English class, at Cherry Avenue Middle School. (laughs) Walk in, and we are starting a new unit. Ladies and gentlemen, we are starting a civil rights unit. Oh, no. In class. <laughs> and we are going to talk about all aspects of the civil rights movement. Most teachers' methods of how do we relate to students as we talk about things that are happening now. So let's talk about racist organizations oh, that are no. happening now. Oh, no. Ladies and gentlemen, the skinheads are oh, very no. prominent. So the teacher brings that up. And guess who has a freshly shaven head and is... <laughs> Whiter than snow. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. You have a winner. So literally for the next like eight weeks of my life, I was targeted as a racist and a skinhead. (laughs) It was the worst feeling of my life. I was like, this is miserable. I haven't done anything. I just walked in there with a shaved head because I had lice. I was already feeling miserable over the fact that I had to cut off all my hair. I love my hair, and I cut it all off, and I walked in there, and I'm just getting bullied and bombarded by, like, skinhead comments and racist stuff from every single person on campus, and it was miserable. But it's pretty funny now. Like, if you really think about it, like, you're just like, what is the coincidence Yeah, I'm going to say something's going to get me in trouble. <laughs> Look, I don't know if bullying's gotten worse. I, well, I know it's certainly gotten worse. I didn't have to deal with cyberbullying that that is awful oh it's terrible because there's no filter no people don't get to see the how it affects no you. and there's not really a way to deal with it i know some people wanted the schools to deal with it i don't want schools dealing with it schools shouldn't be dealing with anything off campus they can barely handle what is going on on campus they're not equipped at all to properly handle stuff going on off campus i don't care if it's two students yeah. So I'm going to take the cyberbullying out, but just the like physical old-fashioned bullying. Look, I it's better that no kid go through it, but I will say having gone through it like 5 years of my junior high, well, elementary, junior high, first, second year of high school, you do grow from it and you do learn how to navigate problems in 6th grade. I was in I was at a elementary school in Sherman Oaks, California. I don't remember the name of it. But the bully in sixth grade was a Latino girl, Mexican girl, and she was just tall, skinny. She wasn't like 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 big, fat kind of kid. She was just tall, skinny, and just mean as hell, and just bullied, just picked the hell out of me. And one day, I mouthed off to her, because I usually was either quiet, and then I had enough, and I'd mouth off to whoever the bully was. And so I mouthed off during kickball, and the gloves come off and she's ready to fight so i'm just standing there she's got her fist up and i'm standing there because i'm like i am not hitting a girl you sexist pig (laughs) equal rights equal fights tim hang on a minute hang on a minute at six even in sixth grade i was very clever 
So she gets a, a decent slap in and everybody goes, oh, and like, what am I going to do? And I said, I said, what? She hits like a girl. Nice. <laughs> and that was the end of it. Like she lost her mind. Teacher showed up and that was it. I, like I, and I, I kid you not within like two, three weeks, she was like a friend of mine. Cause I think she just figured out, all right, this, I, I'm not, it's not going to work on this kid. Right. And then in eighth grade, at a, at their, the big kid on campus was this black kid, really great athlete, and he just thought his shit didn't sink because he's just clearly a better athlete than everybody else. That's all. It wasn't like race or anything. He's just like exceptional athlete. Right. Yeah. And we would go. This this was in Palos Verdes, uh, also in California. This school, it was a middle school. It had a huge campus, and they had basically two football fields off to the side. They were out of the vision of the teach anybody running, the teachers running security for lunch. So we'd go over there and play Smear the Queer for the entire lunch period. And it would get bad. I mean, we had busted lips, knocked out teeth. It, you know, I mean, p- people weren't intentionally hurting each other, but it's tackle football and we're in eighth grade. Right, yeah. And uh, this kid was mouthing off all days. I mean, that, he, that kid knew how to, like, hone in on whatever your insecurity, insecurity was and just in front of everybody. And I just for, I, this has probably been a couple months, just took it, took it, took it. Cause what am I going to do? Like try to fight the kid? No, but we were playing smear the queer one day and he had the ball and thought he was, and came, had the ball was running right towards me. I could tell he just thought he's going to truck me. And I picked that kid up perfect form tackle Straight up in the air, pile drived him down to the ground, knocked the wind out of him. All the other boys just stopped and like, oh, and that was it. That was the moment. That was like, bully got up, acted like nothing happened. Now I'm his best friend. This is my boy. That's right. Sometimes it's happening. And so, look, I don't know what the lesson is. If your kids are getting bullied, tell them to. You're always going to deal with bullies, unfortunately. We don't talk about bullies in the workplace. No, there's there's always bullies. They're a little less bullyish. They're much more passive-aggressive when, you, when you're an adult. There's a Bowling for Soup song about that. Uh, yeah. That talks about high school never ends. Yep. Let, let's wrap up that topic with we got sidetracked on bullying, which is fine, because I think nah, we need fine. to talk out bullying. Bullying's become such a big thing. Here's my main thing. I've said this before on the podcast. I'm going to say it now. It's going to be a continuing theme when it's when it's important. As I said, we are living in a neo-puritanical world. We have replaced Christianity with this new secular puritanism that wants to put scarlet letters on people <laughs> and cast them out into the wilderness never to be seen before. If you are a Christian, I'm asking you, particularly if you are on social media, particularly on social media. I am not on Facebook and Twitter very much. And when I do, I just shake my head because my fellow Christians are just embarrassing themselves. Do what you can to not only stay out of the mob, but actually be the person to say, I know this kid was a bully. Let's just use the hockey example. Just be the person. And you, yes, you might get cyber bullied yourself back because you say this but i think take the moment to say it just say i don't know what the details are maybe what this kid did was really bad but maybe after six years we need to forgive this kid and let him move on 
Yeah, I think I think that the way to end this. But is- no one wants to speak up and say that because it's easy to be the mob and say to hell with this kid. Yeah, I think I, I think that the 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 best way to end this conversation is to just say, guys, we can't afford in in our faith to be so platonic. Christianity is at best when it's countercultural, and this this is the moment to be well, countercultural. But I mean, like, we don't have to be black and white. We don't have to be his side, his side. No, no, no. no I'm not saying that. This I'm side, just that. Saying... No, but I'm saying like we don't have to be this side, that side in this. The the countercultural option in this in this scenario is actually to be for both people. Correct. To sit there and say both need healing. Correct. Both need that's that's a great point. The ability is to where you love both people at the same time. It's not. I love him, therefore I can't love them. No. That doesn't make any sense. Correct. In in the faith aspect. That makes sense in an American or in this puritanical sense. I think that when you said that whole like scarlet letter bit, I was like, yeah, that I was like, that's perfect. That's literally what we're doing. Yeah, one hundred percent. We we, we, yeah. I mean, we could go Colt and I could go through stories. There's there's been numerous baseball players, kids who who've used the N word because they're literally quoting a rap song. Gotta, on Twitter or Instagram, and they lose their baseball scholarship because of it. What about the baseball coach that won in uh, what was that Georgia? He won their first state championship ever, and he gets on the uh, he gets on the bus afterwards, and he just says, and he just tells him how fucking proud of him he is, and he uses the f word like three times, and a student's recording in the back, and he gets fired because he used the f word three times in the recording. Really, were that upset about the f word? I don't know. I'm I'm recording these and. Everybody's gonna come after me now. So. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, we're not, we're not predisposed. We, we don't, we're not averse to using the f word from time to time. But uh, uh, yes, uh, let's not be part of the gotcha culture. No, we, and we, the unforgiving gotcha culture. We need to love all people, and yes, that means the kid that, and it's, and yeah, it still means us wishing for the best for them. For those of you that are a part of the mob, that you're not a part of the directly impacted crowd. Your response should be, I want what's best for him, and I want what's best for him. I want what's best for her. I want what's best for them. I want what's best for every single person. I want what's best for that hockey player. I also want what's best for the victim of the bullying. And just so we're clear, what's best for the victim of the bullying is not that that guy over there loses his job and his career. Correct. That's not what's best for him. That may be what he wants, but that's not what's best for him. There's a lot of other things that are what's best for him and what needs to happen for him and that kind of stuff. Seeing that happen, that's that whole like revenge thing that like we all talk about, like in movies have talked about and books have been written about where it is really not worth it. Correct. Including the Bible as being one of those books that talks about how it's not worth it. So it's just like... That's. I think that the best way to just to talk about that is we can't be so platonic where we just have to sit there. It's either this side or that side. No. You love both people. That wraps up another episode of the Go to Hell podcast. We thank you for listening. You can find us on Twitter at the Go to Hell Pod, or email us at Tim at Go to Hell Podcast dot com or Colton at Go to Hell Podcast dot com. You can send nasty comments for this one to either one. We don't care. Finally, if you like this podcast, as always, we ask, please 
rate and review us. That's how more people get to find out about this podcast, which we're hoping people do. Uh, you can also find us on Substack, Go to Hell Substack. So with that, I don't have anybody to tell to go to hell except myself. So 